Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by the Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter Megan Trainer, where I ask her, can I sing my way through the holidays? Welcome to Getting Curious. It's Jonathan Vendez. I'm so excited for our guest this week. She is a literal icon. She's a musical sensation. She has a stunning new Christmas album out. Welcome to the show for the first time ever, Megan Trainer. Ah, hi. How are you? I just broke everyone's ears. I'm so good. I'm really good. How are you? I'm, you know, I feel good. I feel excited about certain things. I also feel... I do feel like I'm trying to switch my autopilot response when people ask how I am to like fine, like Samantha B says, because (laughs) I feel like it's it's so um, like I personally am am good. Uh, My cats are healthy. My family's okay. I feel like the state of the world. I'm I worry sometimes and not to take such a hard left, but people can't see this because this is a podcast. But I would just, and I'm also like trying to go through this phase where like I don't always have to talk about people's looks, but I would just be remiss. Your eyebrow. So symmetrical. So stunning. You are literally? so beautiful. Your eyebrows are just like in your ponytail, all of it. We will put something on social about just the quality <laughs> of the attention to detail, these lashes, the brow symmetry, all of it. Just so you're just stunning. Wait, I'm literally oh, tearing I- up because I work so hard on my brows. No, they're like so I'm beautiful. Did hairless. you have like a brow comeback story? Oh. I just like I'm hairless, and I was I was born with every hair color. Like I was born with black hair, then it went bright red, and then it went crazy blonde at six. So, and my brows just like grabbed each one for memories or something. And my friends would be like, "Do you dye your brows?" And I'd be like, "Would I choose these colors?" Like, no, I don't dye them. So now I dye them brown, and I like fill them in ever so lightly. Can I tell you something really interesting about that? Yeah. So I have a ton of different colors in my beard. I always have also in my like hair, but there's two types of pigment that our bodies make. There's pheomelanin and eumelanin. One of them is black and brown pigments. The other is yellow and red pigments. And everyone has all of them, but in like different distillations. And some people's are more like, but yeah, basically, um, but yeah, so that's totes norms. And I'm sorry that people called your eyebrows out because you were just living your literal human life. Like that's just how they are. But yeah, really, Sen, did you go, th- were you, did you go through that era in time when the thing was to have like two rows of eyebrows and to just like pluck them all out? Luckily, was- I never did makeup. I was, I grew up with two boys and my dad and my mom who literally slapped on foundation like this in the car and then eyelashes good to go she just looked young fresh all the time and I was like like so I never like got into I I did the high school like cover up your pimples and then dark eyeliner (laughs) but only eyeliner well, I feel like I, I was born in 87 and I feel like I just came in on like the like there was this phase where I feel like if I don't know what generation it is, but, you know, you know, you've heard it before. Like we know the people and I feel like there's still people that were our age that were afflicted by that generation. That I, I feel like we just missed it. Like we missed it. Yeah. Like in the mid to early 90s, honey, there was that thing when it was just like it was the look to have. Yeah. One no row eyebrows. of eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
And so yeah. some young people thought that was still the thing. And I'm glad that that so you were just dealing with like a multidimensional issue. Yeah. I also didn't grow up, which like I kind of am jealous about, but like also Thank God, because I would have plucked them all out. But I didn't grow up with all the Instagram videos of like, here's how you do your brows and here's how you do your makeup. And my friends, we didn't really, I don't know. I guess they plucked their brows. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, don't touch these. And I remember with All About That Bass music video, that was the first time anyone put makeup on my eyebrows. And I remember going, huh, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I was like, those are my eyebrows. What are you doing? And they're like, we're doing your makeup and then it changed my life forever. And I, and now I don't leave the house unless I have brows on. I mean, well, brows are such a frame. I love that story. I can't believe that was your first time. That's so cute. It was 19. Think- like what? Okay. So, oh, so you're definitely way in the age box below me, honey. I'm obsessed with that story. And you know, we said, we talk about like this whole gender <laughs> idea, like don't ask people their ages. And like, I just wasn't going to assume. And I wasn't going to like ask anything here. But, oh, I'll tell you that's mine. Re- Do you want mine? Well, sure, if you want to share it, but the, also, like, no wonder you have such thick, gorgeous brows. It's because you're, like, you were definitely missed that era of, like, I'm, a brow, I, brow Yeah, I'm so glad that I wasn't there. I'm 26 now. So, yeah, yeah, when I was 19, that's when I started all my love for makeup. Yeah, you sailed past that era. I do think that... Now, because you know how, like, you see that meme about, like, 13-year-olds don't have, like, an awkward phase anymore? It's, like, 13-year-olds when, like, they were my age. Like, we were, like, I had teeth this wide apart. I had, like, ketchup and mustard-colored hair because I was going through a phase. And I was wearing, like, Doc Martens with, like, tights and, like, really weird, like, um, track suits. Like, because I was a cheerleader. So, like, I was always, like, QHS cheer. Um, But it was awkward. Like we didn't. But now I feel like kids just have Instagram and YouTube and stuff. So they are looking like real. They just polished. Like everyone's looking polished. Yeah. Like even my um, eight year old cousin, she's about to turn eight. And I'm like, gifts for a 15 year old. Because she's like, "Uh, no, I'm an adult. I have a phone. So I'm like, oh, my God, y'all are just skipping the awkward phase. Like, how are you grow as a person? Ah, can I tell you my foolproof plan for giving like nieces and nephews gifts? Yes, help I me. You, like, I just discovered it because look, I don't have the time to research what you need and want. So, but what I do have the time for is helping you with your college education. So I'm just giving all my nieces and nephews, like now because mommy made a little bit more money, everyone's getting $500 a year. And the day it was more um. of like a hundred. and But I opened like that five something something fund it's like a fund when you want to help someone with college when they're like kids and then it like earns interest or whatever and then you can be like you're just gonna throw that stuff away anyway then you don't have to feel guilty about like not really fully being interested in what they want and then their parents can't really be mad at you because you're saving them money on college and you're really being thoughtful so for me, it checks off every box. Like we're not being wasteful. Your siblings can't get mad at you for not getting them stuff because I'm helping them with their education. How Would old you rather are your that cousins? or some? Or how old are your nieces oh, and nephews? What oh, I got ones ranging from two to sixteen. So it's a one size wow. fits all. Yeah, I'm literally. Hard. I'm not worrying about it. You're so I'm smart, not. though. That's so smart. And my little cousin, because she grew she grew up in this YouTube, she's growing up in the YouTube phase. So she's like, I want to be like this rich YouTube guy that just gives cars to his friends. And I'm like, honey, I was like, we're going to aim for something else. Like, no. Um, so it's so crazy. And then, but you're so smart because all she wants is money. And I can just be like, but it's 
for your future. Like right now, yeah, I have she my can't husband, touch it. I have my husband driving to, and now I'm mad about this gift. She won't even like it. Um, you know those like little arcade games, like Pac-Man. She'll be like, what yes. is this? Um, it's like a little table size one, and I'm having him drive to go pick one up. So, <laughs> wish that's I adorable. Just put, I know. I was like, there you go. She'll be like, where's the YouTube camera? <laughs> Kids still understand like the thought that counts. But wait, I'm yes. I, I accidentally just like small talked for so long because I just was excited to see you. But I have questions. Oh, really, yes. the question for the episode was like, how can we have like a merry Christmas? Because we have all been through so much this year, and even if folks aren't celebrating Christmas, if they're like selling Han- celebrating Hanukkah, if they're celebrating like nothing, honey, whatever. If you're celebrating being alive, whatever your yes. reason is. Um, but in order to talk about that joy, because you do have a holiday album coming out, I your music is full of joy. And you're full of joy. You're, you are an icon. You have been so loving and open about this idea of celebrating who we are, body positivity, which really I like what Lizzo said the other day about like, it's not even body positive. Like let's just like normalize bodies of all different everything. Like, Cause we are all studying and we're gorgeous. And I think that we have had such a narrow idea shoved down our lexicons of like what beautiful is meant to be. Um, But I would just love to hear about how you got into music, how you got into realizing that you were a powerhouse singer songwriter. um, Cause you're just amazing. And, and some of the ways in which when you realize that you were going to have this platform that you have, that you were excited to use it in the ways that you have. Yes, love this. My story is like the most adorable movie ever. I grew up assuming all my favorite pop stars wrote their all song, all wrote all their songs in their bedroom, crying, you know, like Britney Spears and everyone. So I was like, well, I better get to it because I'm going to be a superstar. It's not like I was four years old with the greatest voice ever. Um, I didn't get my voice that I like until I was like 16, honestly. I really had to work on that. Um, cause I didn't grow up with the craziest singers in my family and raised in a gospel church. I was raised in a spooky white old church that was like <laughs> spooky songs. Um, so I, <laughs> I started writing my music like at a very young age and I got the formula down of like, okay, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, second verse. And, and that scared people of like, oh God. And then I started learning every instrument and writing a new song on each instrument. Like as if I was a gymnast and I'm going to practice every single day. It was like that, but after school. And then I was like, dad, I need to record my voice at a very young age. I was like, I need like equipment. And when is like, this? How old are you? Um, I was in my first house. So I was like fifth grade. Yeah, I was like young. I was very young. Um, and you knew what a course and a pre-course was and all that? Yeah, my dad is musical. He never wrote songs, but he was in the cover bands. <laughs> he toured and was like with his first wife in his early lives. Um, they, they would tour and do covers. So we would sing songs together and I would sing at church with him. So I knew like structure of a song and I understood that. And I understood like how like, okay, this has to rhyme and this will sound good. And it was really just my love for other songs. And I remember my mom saying when she would sing lullabies to me, 
I started singing harmony back and she was like, Jesus, like <gasps> I still can't do harmonies. I'm obsessed <laughs> with people who know how to do a harmony. I always accidentally sing the note that I hear and and I think my brain's broken. I can't no. do a harmony. I'm, I'm obsessed with people who know how to. I went through a phase literally three weeks ago, Megan, where my best friend who's been trying to get me to be able to do it for years, like something clicked, but it was this like short phase that only lasted for like six days. And now I feel like I lost it. It's like not an archipelago, an archipelago, something where she was like, you got to go like, yeah, like I was able to do it. it. I know it wasn't a lie to me, but anyway, (laughs) back to your story. But so you under, I'm fascinated by that. You know what taught me was like in sync and the background vocals of like a prayer by Madonna. And I like, I was like, I want to sing their parts. And so I would sing their stuff and, and my brothers would be like, you're singing it wrong. And I was like, I'm actually on the harmony. So you don't even know where I am right now. So back off. Like I would make that a goal. I was just like, oh, I don't know. That was like my weird thing. I just I'm got obsessed that. with that. Where are you in your sibling order? Um, middle child. We're all like a year apart. So we were very close in age, two boys. So I just, I played like football and baseball so that I could be their best friends. And they were like, get away. And now we all still live together and now we're best friends. Finally. <laughs> oh my God. I'm also one of three, three boys. Um, you, but I also have two brothers. So I feel your growing up pain. Yes. And <laughs> that's so cute. I love that you're like, get away from me. I know what I'm doing. This is a harmony. Do you not hear the ringing in your chest? Do you feel the harmony? Yeah. yeah that harmonic vibration's amazing. It's awesome. And you it's are so like fun. the queen of harmonizing. So by fifth grade, you knew you kind of like you felt that you had like you were focused on like creating music. Yeah. I didn't know at that young age of like, I don't know. I didn't, I was just like only doing that for fun. That was like so fun for me. It wasn't like a task. It wasn't like, oh no, I have to go to rehearsal. It was like, oh my God, I'm going to hide from everyone and just play music in my room and learn this song and blah, 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 blah. Like <laughs> that was my jam. And then I just like progressed every year. Like my Christmas gift was like, here's a program that you can produce with. And I'd be like, oh my God. And <laughs> that was like, my parents are so good to me because I really wasn't shining until I was like 16, 17, 18. But they just like never second guessed it. And they always were like, you were always our little superstar. And I was like, what? So they just like fed into oh. that for me. And that they realized your potential. I love that. So what of your hits was like, did any, did you write any of them when you were like 15 or 16? Like what was like your earliest song that you wrote when you were like younger that ended up making it onto one of your albums? Um, my first album, I had this song called 3AM and it was like my booty call song, which is hilarious because I was like so young. Um, but that was like a big fan favorite. Um, and I wrote that like way before I ever wrote all about that bass. And it was one of those, like I brought it back and I was like, cause when you write it, I wrote all about that bass with one person and everyone just assumed looking at me, like he was like a 40 year old man and I'm like this young girl like new and they just looked at me and they're like okay so you have to finish everything with that guy because you you made all about that bass with him so it's probably good and I was like put like I'm gonna lose you with John Legend that was a song I had before I'm like I pulled them in all these old songs and they were like and he would tell me or people would tell me like you're gonna ruin this album unless you write everything new with him and I was like no so it's really nice to see like the fans react to those other songs and like I'm Gonna Lose You wasn't even considered a single until I played it for my manager. My uncle played it for my manager and she started crying. 
And she managed John Legend at the time. She was like, can I send this to him? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a crazy learning process of learning how to stand up for myself. That is a process I feel like I've bumped up against or I've bumped up against in different ways in my career in these last couple of years. That is, um, I think also for someone that's like constantly struggled with setting boundaries, which me like I have sometimes dealt with like maybe coming on too strong when I set a boundary or like letting things go for too long and then it's like and I think that's sometimes like why I so I think it's kind of been a measure for me of like learning when and how to go about that and I'd love to talk more about that right after our break so we're going to take a really quick break it will be right back with more Megan Trainer. Welcome back to Getting Curious. So we were just talking about standing up for yourselves and what that's like bumping up against that behind the scenes and and how we struggle with that. I think it's amazing that you were able to, because it's like when you get these opportunities as an artist, I'm sure as a musical artist, it's like you are an artist so you want to do what your heart says but then there's other people in like upper echelons of like the label or whoever like I don't know any of the people players I'm not not trying to put words in your mouth I'm just trying to imagine Um, but would have their own opinions and it's like you want to take that into account because you don't want to mess up your shot but then you're like I don't know I'm pretty like and my biggest problem was I was just so insecure like the lyrics of All About the Bass are so opposite of what I was feeling at the time Uh, and I because people would look at me and they would say oh you're going to be a great songwriter. Like they kind of gave me that label. They kind of were like, you're a great songwriter. And I'd be like, so you don't see me on stage? Like you don't see me as a performer? And I would make jokes, like shame jokes of myself of like, I know I'll get my body right by 26 and then I'll, then I'll go be a pop star. Like I would say stuff like that. And that's horrific, especially when you're a teenager to like admit that and say that out loud and tell it to adults who you just wish were, more guiding instead of just like, yeah, 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 you sit down. And all about that bass dragged me out of that because they blindly said, well, whoever's singing the song, go get her. And then they started coming for me. And I was like, me? Little old me? And I remember when I saw L.A. Reed at Epic Records at the label who eventually signed me was like, that face. Like, I like, I loved the compliment at the time of like, you like this face? But it was like directed. I don't know. It was like it wasn't like you're adorable. It was like your face can work. You know, I don't know. It was all weird. And I just was so insecure. Wait, because so they were obsessed with your face? Because I'm, he was, but I'm obsessed I think he was with all to, of you. Yeah, I think he was trying to compliment me saying like, you're pretty. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Like, but now when I say it, I'm like, oh, my God, like, why? I'm just waiting for anyone to say, you look fine enough to be an artist, you know? And like, I was so scared to lose any shot. I was just like, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Put it on me. Like they were putting me in corsets at 18 years old to be the all about that bass thick girl, like in my music video. And I would say, isn't this not the point of the song? As they're like tying me in it. (laughs) And one girl said, Beyonce sleeps in hers. As like motivation. And I was like, okay, sure. Rock on, put it on. (laughs) Like, so scary. And so I wrote down as you were saying that, it's like you're coming into an industry that had so much toxic culture. And I I guess I said had, but I guess I meant to say has. Like, (laughs) it's still like a thing. So 
I think you've been able to create this like really beautiful place. But yes. I also think like, but I also feel like I know that I like, like when I see like in my comments, sometimes I'm going to give you some tea. When I see in my comments, sometimes things like, oh my God, like I struggled with like loving my body. And then I saw you rocking crop tops. And like, now I want to rock crop tops. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, I'm Bro. stunning. Like, I bet you are too. Like, but basically, like, I, I just feel like sometimes there's these, like, they mean to be positive, but it's actually yes. like, how do you think that makes me feel like it's not going to change what I wear? And it doesn't change the fact that I know I look amazing, but I just, it's this whole, like, backhanded compliment thing. thing ever. Yeah. No, that's like, <laughs> I guess if someone's going out there with, like, I'm really confident and I am who I am, the only, like, backlash you can get is like people trying to be nice, but they actually slap you in the face very harshly and they don't even realize they're doing it. Like I would always get, oh my God, you're not even that big, like in person. Or they're like, wow, you're like skinnier in person. And I'd be like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, and then they, yeah, they would say stuff like, oh God, I just love this girl on Fallon performing with her thighs out and her. And I was just like, I'm also fully covered. So like what? And and they, but they were trying to be like, go her. And I'd be like, I sang too. I sang a song that I wrote <sighs> with my heart. <laughs> and like, that's why I'm on Fallon, but sure. Like go, go for her showing her belly like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm wearing spots. Yes. So how do you feel like, do you feel like it's changed? Has it become more accepting? Do you feel like there's more space in the industry now? Well, I just noticed for me, um, when all about the base like changed everyone's life, I guess, in the best way, um, I would have parents come up to me in my meet and greets and be like, my daughter, you're about to meet her. She was suicidal and now she wants to live because your song changed her whole perspective. And other parents would say, my kids stopped going to school until your song came out. And now they're finally confident to love themselves. And it would just make me ball my eyes out. And I would hug each person and say, you are so significant. Please stay with me forever. And like all this, I realized there was like a, a superpower I had with this three minute song. And that took me 40 minutes to write. So I was like, oh, I have a duty. I have like a mission in life now. Here's my meaning. Here's my purpose of living. I'm going to help as many people I can not have those thoughts or get out of those nightmare thoughts because we all have them at some point. And so after that, all my anthems, I was like, I'm going to do anthems of like, if I was you, I'd want to be me too. And like all my friends who are having boy troubles, I'm like, nah, sada, ah, sada, no, no, no. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, okay, any chance I get to have a single, I'm going to do an I Love Me song, like a classic feel better about yourself. And I want to be the girl with the happy, positive music because I need that. And that's what I want on the radio. Okay, so I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with that. I have a question. Yes. So back to that one thing about yes. like chorus and pre-chorus and all that stuff. Like yes. all those stunning jargon musical terms. Because I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. I'm obsessed with it. I want to understand more. So like maybe how we're going to have a merrier Christmas is like, are people going to get into like singing and songwriting at home? So if, if yes. you're trying to understand that, because like what what are, what does all that mean again? So like there's a chorus there's like an opening, an introduction, yeah. an introduction paragraph, a persuasive essay, and an it, what is what happens? The easiest, How do you write one? The easiest way I can say it is like, you know your favorite part of that song? 
Like, you know, your favorite part of a me too. Uh, if I was you, I want to be me too. That's your chorus. Your favorite part of every song is the chorus. That's yes. it. So when they say like songwriters, they'll tell songwriters like songs great, but your chorus is weak. Try to write a bigger chorus. That's like the goal in L.A. It's like, oh, my God, we got to write the biggest, baddest chorus ever. And then all your other parts are just your stories leading up to your big chorus. So your verses. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then if you're like a pre-chorus, that's this part in between the verse and the chorus. It's the lead up. Sometimes that's my favorite part of the song. Like, I thank God every day. Uh-huh. I woke up. You know what I mean? Like, we about to hype yes. you up. We're going to hype you up. And then the roller coaster drops on the chorus. If I was you, you know? And then what was that other word you said? Second verse? First. <laughs> yes, second verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I get it. Okay, that's, I'm obsessed. Okay, now I have another question. Okay, yeah. Based off of your stunning catalog of music, who would people think, like, who would people be the most surprised that you were, like, obsessed with growing up? Like, was there, like, some, like, out of left field? Like, for instance, like, I'm obsessed with Sade. I'm also obsessed with, like, I don't know. Like, I, there was, like, a lot of, like, but I also love Sync, And I also yeah, am obsessed yeah. with the Dixie Chicks. Well, yeah. the, the chicks, I mean. The chicks, no. I swear yes. it makes you, like, a better person when your catalog is bigger. I don't know. I just, like... I my I was so lucky. My dad's really old and soulful. He thinks he's James Brown. So I grew up with funk <laughs> and soul and earth, wind and fire. And, and then my mom was like 20 years younger, little girl from New Hampshire, loved Wilson Phillips and loved Billy Joel. So I got the songwriters. And then I grew up with NSYNC and Britney Spears and all of them. And I had the greatest blend of old school. <sighs> What are you? You're like rock. I don't know what you are, mom. She's like 80s Madonna. And then I gave myself the 90s pop. And I also like there's one artist that I no one even knows that I worship. There's two of them. Um, Brandy. Like all, like <gasps> one album. Yeah. Brandy got me through high school and I, I studied her backgrounds. I think she's the most genius person with backgrounds. She's so smart. And then T-Pain. <laughs> Pain. He's a classic. He's a classic. <laughs> okay, I love Brady. Did you love Cinderella? Because like that main song yeah. from Cinderella, it's like we literally like there. Like I went through a phase like as recently as September of last year, where there was three weeks where that's basically all I listened to on YouTube because you can't get it like anywhere else. Yeah, like you can't get it on Spotify. It's like hard. To, like the which the, is like, crazy. Four white horse will never be four white. Oh, wait. Four white mice will never be four white horses. <laughs> Such fold around and fiddly D of courses. Impossible. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. For the world is full of zanies and fool. Do you remember that song? It's not word for word a, like you, honey, but it's I a, love well, because it. we're all obsessed with it. My group yes. of, of my group of my people were just, I don't know it. We really went through like a late or early in thirties re obsession with this Cinderella with Brandy and Whitney. Cause it's just such a classic. I mean, but yeah. I love your sister. You know, what other song you co-wrote on mm -hmm. that I'm fucking obsessed with, obsessed with sledgehammer. sledgehammer. I work I out to it, it. I all the time. <laughs> I do coffee dances to it. Like multiple times. Like I, I love Sledgehammer. I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. And I also like, 
miss Fifth Harmony. Like I, I miss. Love. I, I was not too. ready. Like I need. I was just like, even just like too can, soon. Can we have a reunion? Like, is it too soon? Like, like I love, I live reunion, but like, uh, like, we will. Or even if you just, can you like just take ownership of Sledgehammer and like bring it back and release? Just can you basically pull like a Beyonce? Because remember it. when? Remember when she redid Emotions as a solo after it was on that second album? You're a genius. I'm putting it in my tour one day when we're allowed to tour again. Yes. Because if you bring my heart, no, because if you take my pulse right my, now, now, it would feel like a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, that was the best, dude. And it's so funny because my husband, that was like his favorite song ever. And he didn't know. And he was like, oh, you wrote Sledgehammer? <laughs> Like you know what this song is? It was big. It was nice. That song it was, was really a awesome. jab, and it was cool because I went to Epic Records and they had them, and so I was like, "Yo, just so you know, I have all these extra songs. I know it's not doo op because they try to make me just doo op." I was like, "But I write pop," and then I sent those in, and they're like, Fifth Harmony's gonna cut five year songs," and I was like, oh. <laughs> "Like that's my dream." Okay, now I have another question. And it's okay, basically it. like in the other direction. Okay. So is there any like up and coming little BBs that you're like obsessed with that you like just heard of that you're like just living for? Well, I would just say like my true addiction um, is TikTok and all those singers on TikTok. Like I'm constantly sending my A&Rs on my label and my management company. I'm like, you should manage this artist. They're going to be huge. Like, I just think they're so talented. Like when you hear the TikTok singers, you're like, why are they better than most singers at the Grammys? You know what I mean? Like, how are they just in their bedrooms crushing this song, making me ball my eyes out, and they're not at the Grammys next year? Like, it's crazy. So, I love TikTok artists. <laughs> so then, okay, and then if you're someone like me who is, like, harmonized challenged, like, it's just never yes. come easy to me. Like, I've struggled with it forever, but, like, I really do just want to be in the car and do what you did. Like, I want to I want to sing back up for Brandy in my car. I want to sing back up for you in my car <laughs> and actually harmonize. But, like, is there, like, maybe there's something that you know that, like, the other really only two people that have tried to teach me actually in my life. Is there something I can do? Like, is it just you listen to the background tunes? What is it? Yeah, I would study, like, even how to learn how to sing. I would study, um, I grew up with JoJo, her albums, and she was like 13. So I, if I love something, or Brandy, I would practice singing just like them. I'd practice singing harmonies just like them. So if I hear a background part, like a lot of my songs have great examples for you. You can practice. Like bass has like shoo wop wop shoo wop. You just pick the backgrounds. But I only can sing the song that your main voice sings. Oh, like when my I goodness. hear a normal, like when I hear the, like when I hear the melody, my voice only can sing the main note and like all the backgrounds like I'll be like oh I'm doing it and then my friend Patty's like no you're not like that's the melody and I'm like oh are you sure because it sounds just like the harmony it to me she's like absolutely <laughs> correct <laughs> have you um, run into that before have you ever like met like have you met have you heard of that before is there people that just don't yeah can't? yeah 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 well my manager he's pretty tone deaf but he loves to sing he loves Whitney he's Cher most of the days um so He's not afraid. Yeah. None of my team is afraid to sing in front of me, which is awesome. Um, and they just go off. And sometimes I'll let, I'll let them know. I'll be like, Oh, that was so off that you actually hit the best harmony. And they were like, really? So I was like, I mean, I would ask your friends to like, let you know when you're doing it right. And like, praise they do, you know, they do, they do. Great. No, they really do. 
But it's never about a harmony because I like it's like sometimes they're just like, oh, like, you know, your clarity or it's really powerful, like very, you know. (laughs) Wow, you're loud Uh, today. (laughs) Yes, but I still love it. You know, it's like I would be like the perfect like redheaded nun from Sister Act. Like I project to the back of the church and someone's got to do it. We're going to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more Megan Trainer after this. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Venice. We have Megan Trader right here. So, okay. So obviously, this has been an amazing year for you. You have had several exciting things happen. You also have a new holiday album out. And you have your gorgeous husband. You have your fam bam. Like, what has, you know, for so many of us, what's been kind of like a nightmare hellscape, we'd all just like love to live vicariously through some of your like familial yeah. joy. <laughs> Um, yeah. Like, have you done any fun stuff? Like, what's your truth? Like, how has this quarantine been? Yes, like, you, you and your hussy, like, you guys did do something really cutesy because you got a little babers. Oh, we made is- life. Yeah, that was like as soon as quarantine, because I was shooting the UK. I was um, on The Voice, the UK, and we like weren't done yet. So in my head, I'm like, hey, why don't we fly back? And then... We all watched the news together and they were like locked down and we were like, okay. And I was like, is this a sign? Like we're not touring, so we should give birth. We should make a child. So then I immediately started peeing on every stick. I started looking up how, like what vitamin should I be on and like got really healthy for my body and was like, I was like, I want to be successful. I know this is so hard to get pregnant. Like when you want to get pregnant, it's so hard. Um, and luckily, uh, it took me, it took us three months of cranking it, you know, just like trying really hard. And I, it was something I announced to the house of like, just so you know, if I am getting pregnant, it's right now. Like it's, (laughs) it's happening. And it was like a fun science project that I've been trying to do my whole life. I've been so excited to be a mom. So that was our time. And finally, like the, the month I really was like, I didn't get pregnant this time. Like there's no way. Um, I went on a hike and I was extra winded. I was like, woof, like this is really hard. And then I came back and I peed on the stick and I did it wrong. No one knows the story. I peed on the stick. I did it wrong. And then we only had a little pee and my husband helped me and we put it down. And I was like, Daryl, just give up. Like, it's not going to stay positive. Let's just, I'm going to shower. I'm disgusting. And he, he saw it first and he looked up and was like, and I was like, no way. He's like, it says pregnant. And I was like, what? And we like fell to the floor, crying, laughing and like screaming and being like, no way. And it was the best day ever. And then I immediately put a robe on and ran to my brothers filming them and was like, look at it. Oh, that's so cute. So you kind of, you like, that's, I love that you felt like you wanted to have a little babers forever. And now you did. You know how like in movies and I'm sure your parents and like, I feel like everyone who I've ever heard talk about child, like, you know, having like a baby, it's like you squeeze that little thing out or like you see it for the first time and like everything changes like that quintessential moment. Now, disclaimer, I have also heard people say like, oh my God, I didn't feel that. And then I thought there was something wrong with me for not feeling that. But then they totally ended up loving their kids. So if you don't have that, Megan, don't freak out. I know. I've heard (laughs) heard everything. But are you like, 
Are you ex- like, are you just excited? What do you feel like is going to happen? Like, you're just like, what's like, what do you anticipate? Like, for like, I can't even imagine it. Like, like, first of all, like, I feel like you're so wise and mature. Like, you literally are going to have a fucking baby. It's major. Yeah. Well, I was like the girl that I had to go to therapy once because I was like. Or I asked my therapist because I was the bitch that was crying when I walked by diapers and was like, I'm supposed to be buying these. I don't understand. Like, I always wanted a baby and knew I'd have like a village of kids. I was like, I want five to seven. And um, when I met Daryl, he's like, honestly, I didn't didn't grow up like, wow, can't wait to make babies. But as soon as I met you, something switched. And I was like, I want to reproduce with you. I want to make children with you. And that's how he one of his examples of how I knew you were the one. It's so cute. Um, and then, yeah, so I asked my therapist and she's like, you're already mothering your kids. It's very sweet. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah, you're already being their mom and you're just so excited. So I can't wait to push him out. I'm very um, impatient. And so this wait is so long. And every day I'm just like, you okay? But I finally felt kicks like two days ago. And now every day he kicking and I love it. And I'm like, you're in there. Oh, the only thing I compare that can compare that to is this time when I had a guinea pig in fifth grade and her name was Nilly and she got pregnant. And when I would hold her on my stomach and my chest, I could feel the baby guinea pigs literally kicking through her tum tum like onto my chest. It was so cute. And I remember thinking like, this is the closest I'm ever going to feel to like what pregnancy is because oh like God. I'm not going to grow babies. That's so exciting. I love that. Okay, but wait. So. I also worry about sometimes like this is what I talk to my therapist about. How come I don't want kids and I just want to spend all my money on myself and that's, vacations and helping other people and like I just don't want to. You're mothering <sighs> everyone. That's totally fine. <laughs> and there's space for everyone. So now I kind of want to talk a little bit more about music because I can't help it. But we'll come back to a Yogini recess and yes. we can talk about whatever yes. you want to talk about. <laughs> so you had like such an incredible career. You still in the midst of having an incredible career. Like you're going to continue having one, which is so exciting. So. Like, so far, if it was, like, Miss USA top three, like, we've done, like, swimsuit, fucking evening gown talent, <laughs> like, but you had to narrow down, like, your top three, like, favorite, like, performances. Um, and I know it's hard because, like, Ooh. I had, like, iconic moments in my little baby tour that, like, I was, like, really proud of or, like, that stood out to me. But, like, for whatever reason, but you know what? I'll tell you this much. Like, sometimes when I think about trying to do this with my own performances, not that it's about, because, like, I know that comparison is the thief of joy and they all have, like, their own experience and, like, amazing to them so whatever but like sometimes I think like oh it should have been like Radio City for instance because that's so iconic and that was really important to me and like I can't believe I got to play it and like it's it was literally like an out of body experience for like 90 minutes because I couldn't believe that it was happening and like all of the training that went into it but it was like a single show and then like literally the next night I was in Cleveland and I feel like and like the venue was like a quarter of the size and I feel like it was like one of the best shows I've ever had or at least like to date it was like the day after like Radio City and I think I was just kind of like quivering in my boots at, like at the like at this prospect of Radio City and it's almost like all my adrenaline kicked in like the yeah. next day and but that performance like sticks out of Cleveland because it was just like I felt like it was like electric and I feel like it was like like, that was just a really special performance for me for whatever reason. Like, it just sticks out. So I don't you're know the if there's only, any other ones for you that... You're the only human being that will relate with me on that. Yeah, my Radio City one, everyone's like, this is so big, iconic. I didn't. I grew up on an island. I didn't know any places to go. I didn't know what the famous venues were. So I was just like, 
okay, I guess I'll do really good today or I'll try and like put pressure on myself. And I was like, it's just another awesome show. Um, but yeah, my top three favorites. I mean, I ha- I got to sing on the Grammy at the Grammys, like on the stage. It was a tribute for Lionel Richie. So that was insane. I was shaking my boots. I've never been like, wow, this is the best feeling, like performing, except for actually this one was nuts. I performed for Quincy Jones on his birthday at like where they do the AMAs. And I remember I did, um, you don't own me. I did that song. So I was very powerful. I was very emotional. And I remember for the first time in my entire career, I've never told anyone this either. I closed my eyes at the end and just sang with my whole body and soul. And I opened my eyes and forgot where I was. And I was so nervous for this thing that I just like threw away all my fear and just like, you don't own me. It was screaming. And then I opened my eyes and saw Oprah and Quincy Jones. And I was like, this is that high everyone talks about of like, this is the greatest feeling ever. And I finally got it. I think because I like nailed it and I was proud of myself too, but what a moment that was. Um, and then my third one would be, there's so many, but um, my whole first tour, we did something really special that I wish we could do every single day. Um, we always had a queen on our show. We would crown someone with like my little merch that said Megan Trainer, And I'd sing this Caribbean song I wrote called Queen. And it's like, you are the queen girl. And like, <laughs> it's like Trinidadian. It was great. And we would always pick like anyone who was like, um, if they did a make a wish to come see a show or something and it'd be like the most special moment. And I would always cry afterwards of like, you just feel so helpless. But it was like my first experience of like, um, getting to meet amazing kids like that and hear their stories. And I would weep after, but, um, but it was like the most beautiful moment seeing how happy they were at, on that stage. And that was like my first tour. So these were like tiny venues and, and it was just so magical that I haven't had that feeling in a long time, too. Oh, it's got to be this. It's weird. I was in Australia when the shutdown happened. You're in the UK when it happened. And I had just played like my biggest place ever, like at the end of my like first international tour for like stand up comedy. And like I was in the middle of like writing another show for this year and like learning how to do like stand up comedy on the job. And I'm sure for you, like, you know, getting to play these venues and have your tours like increase and grow in your venues and your options and the things. And you're like, I could do this. And I have this like vision to do that. Like it occurred to me in the middle, I was going to like start doing like a random gymnastics routine, like in the middle yes. of my show. And then <laughs> I started doing like a quick change, like while I would bring my cat on this like pre recorded video to do like a weather wow, segment because yes. he's a fictitious weatherman and I would do like this fierce costume change to like just give the people like a whole different like gag of a look but I literally would do a quick change in a tent like in the pitch black on stage like I need people like quick changing it was like a nightmare but to think like oh my god I just was not prepared to say goodbye like I didn't know that we weren't gonna or like what it would be like and what's that been like for you like thinking just What's that yeah, been like? I was I was supposed to do a whole arena tour with um, Maroon Five, which I was so excited about because I've never done, I've never headlined. I got so close to big venues, but never arenas, and that's like my last bucket list. I think I have besides make a hundred kids. Um, so I was so excited for that, and we were going to do like four stadiums. Um, so it was weird being like shut it down, and I can't do it. And now I'm going to be giving birth whenever they 
try to go again. So I was just like, I don't know if I'm ever going to tour with them now. And it's, it is like touring is the hardest part of my job. I think like physically every night, like the changes you're talking about. Yeah. They're in a tent and it's my mom ripping off my sweaty dress on my sweaty body, just pulling on a new one. It's not like the most glamorous thing, but it's awesome when you get to connect with crowds and fans like that. Um, so touring for me though, the travel, I always got sick. I was bad at touring. It's like, I'm bad at the beach. I have a terrible time at the beach. I'm a pool girl. So um, I knew with this chance of like, not chance, but with this, the decision of having all of us stay home for safety, I was like, this is probably my only time that I can be like, I'm getting pregnant and I'm staying safe. And I wouldn't feel, everyone's like, don't you want to get back out there? I'm like, I'd feel horrible if I'm like, hey, young kids, gather closely in this dangerous place to watch me sing for an hour. Like, I wouldn't feel good about it. I feel so dangerous. And I, I won't feel good until they're like, they prove that this system works and we've done it a hundred times and everyone stays safe and had a great time. So it's like a big question mark for me. Yeah. It's just like, I so, and fingers crossed. I mean, you will get, I mean, like, Supply and demand. The demand's going to be there for you to do that arena tour someday, honey. Oh, so yeah. we know now that we just need to get it like. Tour. <laughs> they want. They were like, yes. we need a holiday tour, and I'm like, oh yes, we got to do that. Uh, um, we will get our live, like gorgeous headlining arena Megan Trainer tour. We yes. we will. It's going to happen we'll eventually. <laughs> um, okay, so wait, I have another question. So you know how you were saying that you didn't really get the voice that you liked until you were like 16. Yes, there's hope for you. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. I I would tell you because you you keep wanting, I think you keep wanting me to say like some people have it and some people don't. I think everyone has it. You just have to never give up and keep singing as loud as you possibly can because then you'll get better. (laughs) 10,000 Am I going to turn into a harmonizer accidentally in my 30s? And then Fifth Harmony will be like, we have to get back together with him. Or maybe, like, I could just become, I don't know, I'm really not in Camilla's range. I can't do that, like, gorgeous, like, high You're the bass. That... You're the blah, 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 blah. You're the low. Yeah, low yeah I can't. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't make her noises. So, okay. So, we're at the part of the of the class where um, if there is anything that we have not touched upon, that you want to touch upon, that you would like to chat about. If if, if the original question was, question was, is how are we going to have a Merry Christmas? Well, we're obviously going to get your album. That's going to help. That's going to turn our frowns upside down you, a little bit. I, did, I made sure that it was like what's my favorite album that I would want to hear Christmas pop like you know just like a fun time and you get your little you get the classics that you need and I I was a jazz singer in the jazz band so you're gonna hear a whole new side of me you're gonna make a whole new friend it's gonna be excellent and I have a song with my dad's playing piano my brothers are singing and wrote all the originals with me it's very family so my key to Christmas this year to every holiday this year, Thanksgiving, all of them, is family. Like, I know, and I, even if they're on a Zoom call, call them up. Make sure they're okay. My Nana turned 98 today. I got to call her and see what she's doing to stay alive that long. Because she's my hero. <laughs> but yeah, family first. Always. She's so cute. She's family so cute. first. She's my great-grandma. We're living long. 
Oh my God, Megan Trainer, I love that story. I love your great grandma. I can't wait to listen to your album. Congratulations so much on your year thank and you. your album. <laughs> and we love you so much. And thank you so much for coming on Getting Curious. Thank you for letting me be on here. You're an icon and this is so legendary. <laughs> You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. My guest this week was the Grammy award-winning singer and songwriter, Megan Trainer. Her holiday album, A Very Trainer Christmas, is out now. You'll find links to her work in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, introduce a friend and please do show them how to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter for more Getting Curious at Curious with JVN. Our socials are run and curated by Emily Bosick. Our editor is Andrew Carson, and our transcriptionist is Cassie Jerkins. Getting Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, Emily Bosick, Chelsea Jacobson, and Colin Anderson.